0: Hola amigos, long time no talk. This is Mr. Harmon for Latin American History on Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. Today I'm making a recording for Chapter 8, South American Independence Movements, Section 1, Spanish-American Wars for Independence. Um, Today basically what we're going to look at are kind of how latin america has its series of wars and uh, its major revolutionary leaders um just to remind you all of the notes will be online on moodle under the notes section uh, as well this recording will also be there um i will hold office hours from two to three o'clock on uh, moodle and on discord if you guys need anything pop on and let me know otherwise i will uh just talk to you guys later i guess All right, with that, let's get to it. All right, so the first thing that we are looking at here is the background to the wars for independence. And kind of what we're looking at, generally speaking, here are four major things that are going to kind of combine all together, even though they're not necessarily associated with each other. Um, to ultimately push us into this perfect setup to have independence movements or revolutions. Um, So the four things we're looking at here. First of all, we've got uh, what are called the Bourbon Reforms. Um, Essentially what's going on here is the peninsulars or the uh, Latin Americans that were born in Europe, uh, raised in Europe, and then came to the Americas, the group that's been in control for uh, a long time according to our uh, caste system, Um, they are going to essentially try and restructure how South America is set up in terms of government control, social control, cultural control. Um, So what they're going to try and do is make sure that the peninsulars stay in power permanently and that the criollos and no other groups born in the Americas can never have real power. Um, So essentially they're going to set it up where the less than 1% of the population has total and and utter control over everything. Um, That's called the bourbon reforms. Now, why that plays an important role here is that's going to very much frustrate the Criollos and a lot of other groups. Second thing that we're going to see here are a series of open revolts that are happening. Now, I'm not necessarily saying these are successful, but it's kind of putting that idea in place that revolts can happen, and that with enough support, maybe they can be successful. Um, So three major revolts that did happen and all did fail were the Tupac Amaru II Revolution, which we talked about, the tupac Katari revolution, which we talked about, and the Comuneros revolt, which we did not talk about. Um, however, all three of them were attempted revolutions by criollos um, through the use of exploiting the lower classes, um, and none of those worked. Um, that being said, it puts that idea out there that a revolution can happen and with support can possibly work third major idea that we have here or, or uh, issue leading to independence is the enlightenment, which is going on in Europe, but is also very much affecting the Americas. Um, so really kind of what we're seeing here is this uh, enlightenment pushes this uh, idea or this movement that um, social settings, economic settings, cultural settings are not necessarily concrete. Um, they can be changed, and and with the right group of people, with the right ideas, with the right movement, you can have a full-on revolution. Um, and then lastly, and it has nothing to do with any of these other three, but it very much plays into all these other three, is the Napoleonic Wars. Um, so in the early 1800s, and I've referenced this a few times to you guys, um, but in the early 1800s, uh, Napoleon starts taking over all of Europe. This is like one of the biggest... Uh, expansion periods of all French history. Napoleon's just beating the crap out of everybody. And uh, he eventually does get to Spain. He defeats the Spanish crown. He takes over Spain. And why this matters for the Americas is that their sovereign leaders, the, the, the group that's controlled them for so long, now no longer has power, now no longer is in control. And the situation's like, why are we still paying taxes? Why are we still under control of them? And that kind of puts that idea out there that revolution can happen. So all four of these really kind of will come together to push that idea that revolution is on the cusp, it's just someone needs to push it there. Alright, so the next thing that we're looking at here are the actual wars for independence themselves and really there's three major wars that we're going to see kind of developing here. But it's interesting how we're seeing them develop. They're actually developing off of two individuals who kind of work independently and then who are going to join together, Um, those being Simon Bolivar and Jose de San Martin. Now, it's not to say there aren't other important people. There are, and I will uh, touch on them, but uh, Bolivar and de San Martin are by and far the most important. Um, So essentially what we're going to see here is that there's kind of an upper-class uh, Criollo um, organization um, moving towards employing the lower class uh, and bringing them in to kind of fight uh, in the military, so to speak. Um, so let's set this up essentially what's going on. When Spain falls to Napoleon and the French, um, the governments of South America are essentially restructured into what are called juntas, uh or juntas. Um, and basically what this means is that the people of South America now control themselves, um, but it's really not the South Americans controlling themselves. It's, it's Peninsular's who are technically Europeans living in South America controlling themselves. Um, so it's really not the South Americans controlling themselves, but it kind of is. This is eventually what leads Bolivar and, uh, De San Martín to this idea that perhaps they don't have to have outsiders controlling them, but they can control themselves. And so that's where we get to these uh, potential revolution movements. Um, So the first one to look at here is the uh, Bolivar Wars. Um, So these are starting in 1806, not with Bolivar himself, but with his commander, Francisco de Miranda. Um, so, what was going on with Miranda was he was the first one to really try and organize the lower class and kind of the middle class uh, in the Criollos to push for independence in the country of Venezuela or what would become Venezuela. In um, that first attempt, Miranda is captured, Miranda is put in jail, Miranda is eventually tried and Miranda is eventually executed. That being said, when Miranda goes down, this is an important part for Bolivar because this is where he gets to step up and he gets to kind of lead things. Um, so Bolivar will leave Venezuela. He will then go to what becomes Colombia um, at the time called Gran Colombia and he'll try and do a revolution there. Also fails. Now the difference between Miranda and Bolivar is Bolivar is not captured. Um, Basically for the next 14 years he's going to bounce between Venezuela and Colombia and continuously try revolutions and they are going to fail every time. Finally though where he has a breakthrough is in 1820 and in 1820 he will have a successful revolution in Colombia. He will create independence in Colombia, and he will start to gather an entire nation of people to continue these revolutions. After he has an army, he then moves into Venezuela in 1821 and has another successful revolution. Eventually, he moves himself to the Spanish capital um, of South America, all South America, Lima, Peru. And why that was an important city was it was the city where they uh, basically controlled most of the silver, and he's going to try and lay siege to Lima. This is where we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to look at what's going on with De San Martín. So the second important person that I mentioned to you is De San Martín. Um, San Martín will start his series of wars in 1811, and he's going to start them in Paraguay and Uruguay, or the countries that will become Paraguay and Uruguay. Um, He has success there uh, from about 1811 to 1814. And then from 1814 to 1815, he is going to look to create fully independent countries with fully independent militaries. Once he has them kind of independent and, and controlled, the next big thing is to expand to a bigger territory, a bigger country. So by 1816, he is going to expand to his home country of Argentina. And by 1820, so a four year period here, he has a series of mini wars, which eventually get to a full on revolution where he's got the lower class kind of supporting him. And eventually, by 1823, 1824, He has full independence of Argentina. So it's taken him a little bit longer from 1811 to 1824, but he's basically freed up Paraguay, Uruguay, and Argentina. Now, And a weird note of things, Um, and I said we'd talk about other people, and this is where we're talking about other people. In 1810 and 1811, is José de San Martín is doing his thing, as Bolívar is doing his thing, in the country of Chile, we have a Scottish-American, not Spanish-American, a Scottish-American named Bernardo O'Higgins, leading a revolution of the lower class um, to overthrow Spain in Chile. Um, in the first three years that he's doing his, uh, revolution, uh, 1811, 1814, he struggles very badly. Um, he eventually goes to, uh, Jose de San Martin, um, and in 1816, he gets support of San Martin, and by 1820, Chile will also have their independence. So just to recap here, kind of our independence movements that we've got going on. Venezuela is independent by 1820. Colombia is independent by 1820. We've got um, Paraguay and Uruguay independent by 1820 uh, as well. We've got uh, Argentina independent by 1823, 1824. And we've got Chile independent by 1820. So most, if not all, of South America. Now, minus Brazil, but Brazil is controlled by Portugal. All of South America basically is going to be independent here by 1824, 1825. Um, so Once they kind of have independence of uh, all of South America, the big issue is to force out the last little bit of Spanish resistance. And that goes back to um, uh, Bolivar with Lima, Peru. Uh, As I said earlier, that was the capital of all of South America for the Spanish. Um, And so – What we're going to have happen here is Bolivar and uh, de San Martín will come together uh, in an alliance. They'll bring together this massive military, and then they are going to basically lay siege to Lima, Peru. Um, So between 24 and 25, uh, Martín and Bolivar come together. Um, By 1826, they're going to lay siege to uh, Lima. And basically they're going to fully claim uh, Peru by late 1826. So between 26 and 27, They control all of South America except Brazil. This is an impressive, impressive campaign to take over all of South America. It's taken them almost 15, 20 years, but they have all of South America. They are independent. It is the criollos that now have power, um, but it is through the lower class and middle class that they gain that power. All right, so the last part that we're looking at here is the end results of the war for independence. And kind of what we're looking at here is just what happens after the wars are done. How are they recognized? How are they helped? How are they hindered? Um, so where this is starting at is in 1822, um, when most of what we were calling New Spain or South America is independent. The first country to actually step up on the world stage and recognize them will be the US. And I mean, it kind of makes sense for the US. We just have been through our revolution, what, 40, 50 years earlier. we're kind of new we're looking for allies and south america just went through theirs and so we're we're essentially extending the olive branch here you need help we need help let's let's be friendly with each other um by 1825 the united kingdom will be the second Big power. I mean, I'm not saying the U.S. is a big power, but we will become one. Uh, the U.K., though, will be the second big power to recognize Latin America. Now, they're not doing it because they care about Latin America. They're doing it because they want trade to Latin America. And uh, we've kind of mentioned that in other sections as well. Um, taking a step further, in 1826-27, we get to that Monroe Doctrine. So Monroe was making the... Um, uh, presidential address um, to Congress uh, about the State of the Union, and in that State of the Union he's going to say that basically no one can come to the Americas anymore, we're allied together, we're kind of protecting each other. Um, That was a huge step for these new countries of Latin America who are like, whoa, uh, we're now I guess world powers, we're now on the world stage, we're now on this world alliance. Um, Eventually where things do kind of come to fruition with Spain is in 1833 King Ferdinand the seventh will die. Um, Spain will basically claim that uh, South America um, died with him and that is a result in, three years later by 1836 Spain fully gives up all of its South American territories. I mean understand South America's been independent for 10 years um, but Spain officially says they're done. Um, and at this point basically they say uh, anybody that owned land um, they've got to work it out on their own um, and they uh, that Spain's kind of fully done with South America. Um, So it's, it's been nearly what 300 years, almost maybe 320 years, um, that Spain has controlled South America. And at this point we finally have independence of South America. So it's a huge step forward. That's where we're going to go ahead and stop for the day. Again, this was chapter eight, South American independence movements, section one, the Spanish American wars for independence. This was Latin American History Notes. Again, notes will be online on Moodle as well as this recording. If you guys have any questions, I will be on Moodle or on Discord from 2 to 3 today. Pop on and let's have a chat. All right. With that, I'll talk to you guys later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Hasta luego.